Hello, everyone. This is the Valley of Grace podcast, helping women reclaim their power and identity so they will know they are enough. And today I have another episode of Chatting with Coach Tina. So today's topic is entitled Toxic Jealousy, Eight Things King Saul and David's relationship teaches us about its danger. Okay, so God has given us the gift of relationships, okay? He has put inside each and every one of us an innate desire slash craving for relationships. And it's in those relationships where we are either growing or we are remaining stagnant, okay? So in essence, the same relationships that are making us can indeed be the same relationships that are breaking us, okay? And you might wonder to yourself, well, how in the world does that happen? Number one, our own brokenness gets in the way. Number two, we get to a point of being comfortable and taking each other for granted. And number three, we've stopped growing in the Lord, okay? And number four, we start operating from the flesh instead of the spirit. So it can be any of those four or all of the above, okay? And when we enter relationships with other people, we often team up with people who have the exact opposite of what we have going on in certain uh, areas that have been unresolved, okay? For an example, if you have a person that's a perfectionist, that person will usually team up with an irresponsible person. So that's um, basically how it normally goes, right? And so at some time or another, we've all experienced feelings of jealousy. It's part of human nature. And then uh, someone lost, like to say, for example, someone lost more weight than you did, right? Somebody else got the promotion, okay? Someone else bought the house that you have been dreaming of for like 10, 15 years now, right? Somebody else has their kids in the top private schools in the country and Boku extracurricular programs and you still trying to get your kids signed up for one, okay? And so the message that I have for you today is not to evoke shame, but for it to serve as a warning of kind of keeping certain things in check before they get out of control. They lead to shame, and not only that, but danger for our entire emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical being, okay? And one thing about toxic jealousy is that nine times out of 10, riding on its coattail, you've got a spirit of competition, you got a spirit of control, you got a spirit of envy, you got a spirit of anger, and you got a spirit of manipulation, okay? All of those different things following behind, so to speak, uh, the spirit of jealousy that has become toxic. Okay, so how in the world, the first question you might want to ask, well, how in the world does jealousy become toxic? Jealousy becomes toxic when the person uh, with an affection of jealousy is doing everything that they can to stop you from doing what it is that you are doing, even if it means emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually destroying you in the process, okay? And so when it comes to toxic jealousy, that means you're going from jealousy to envy, from envy to hatred, from hatred to malice, like in a situation with King Saul and David, okay? And you might think that this sounds a little bit intense, right? Too intense. And it does sound that way. 
However, if you think about it, each and every day, you probably could find some type of article from somewhere in the world that started off with a case of toxic jealousy gone wrong, right? And so uh, when we are not consistently examining our hearts, confessing our sins, and repenting, we set ourselves up to live lives that operate from the flesh instead of from the spirit, right? And the scripture tells us that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We cannot live lives in a godly manner without using the assistance of the Holy Spirit in our relationships, right? The moment that we choose to ignore our intuition and the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our relationships is the moment that we subject ourselves to literally being on the run for our lives emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, right? All those areas. Saul and David's relationship was a perfect example. Before David uh, went into service for Saul as a musician, the Holy Spirit had been imputed into Saul for the task of being king of Israel, okay? But the Holy Spirit had already left Saul. And the question might be, why? What happened? Disobedience and rebellion, right? 1 Samuel 15, 22 to 28 gives us the lowdown, okay? It says, and Samuel said, have the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because thou has rejected the word of the Lord He's also rejected thee from being king. And this is Samuel talking to Saul. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed, transgressed, sorry, the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin, turn again with me that I might worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. And until the Lord have rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, the Lord have rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day and have given it to a neighbor of thine. That is better than thou. David had been anointed as king by Samuel prior to going into service for Saul, right? He'd also been imputed with the Holy Spirit to perform that task. However, David inquires about everything else except his relationship with Saul. Should I go up and battle and do this? And should I go here and battle are the people going to turn me over to Saul and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. David did not inquire in regard to his relationship with Saul, even when cl uh, clearly he had the spirit of God residing on him. Okay. When God brings us into relationship with someone, we often forget to use the intuition from the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. We only go by what our naked eye sees, right? So to speak. But just going by what our naked eye sees can often get us into trouble because sometimes we're not around that person enough to see a certain pattern of behavior. And that's why intuition slash Holy Spirit takes over before what the naked eye can see, right? And so that brings us to point number one. Longing for something different will make you stay in relationships longer 
than you're supposed to. And I'm going to repeat that again. Longing for something different will make you stay in relationships longer than you're supposed to, right? Okay, so David longed for a different family and Saul longed for a different son, right? Right before Samuel anointed David as king, they had a consecration and sacrificial sac uh, service. Jesse and seven of his sons were consecrated and invited to the sacrifice. David was left behind tending the sheep. And it tells us more about it in 1 Samuel 16, 11 through 13. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remains the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he comes hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose, went up, and went to Ramah. Okay? And then we see in 1 Samuel 16, 21 through 23, it says, And David said to, came to Saul, and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he's found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well and the evil spirit departed from him. Saul loved David so much that he asked David's father, Jesse, to allow him to come and work for him, right? And not only did Saul have a love for David, but Saul's son, Jonathan, did as well, okay? Saul seemed so preoccupied with David and his gifts and ability to soothe him, okay? from all his emotional and spiritual drama going on, he forgets about his own son, okay? Jonathan's love for David is shown in 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 4. It says, and it came to pass when he made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. And Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword <laughs> and to his bow and to his girdle. So he took everything off and gave it to David to express his love and the covenant they made. Okay, so David's father, Jesse, sent David over to check on his three older brothers. Okay, they were out at war against the Philistine. And the oldest brother, mind you, his name was Eliab. He was the first one that Samuel went to when the Lord uh, sent him to anoint the king. Okay, so I'm going to read for the scripture there and uh, we'll pick up. So in 1 Samuel 17, 28 through 30, it says, and Eliab, his older brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thy heart. For thou art come down, that thou might see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? <laughs> it's getting hot. And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. Eliab treated David like this, obviously, on more than one occasion, right? Because David said, okay, so what have I done now? You see what I'm saying? That's the proof right there. And in this particular situation, he devalued David's occupation. He said, like, who did you lead those few sheep with, you know? 
It's just like someone saying to you, oh, I see since you got that little job or that little house you just bought, or I see you just moved into that little apartment over there, or you got that little promotion, or since God gave you that little calling and you got that little speaking job or that little coaching business or that little writing job, everything is minimized, right? Eliab was jealous of David. He felt rejected by God because he was not anointed as king, right? And he also felt rejected by Samuel because Samuel came up to him, was getting ready to anoint him. But God was like, no, no, this is not the one. Man looks on the outer appearance, but I look on the heart. So Samuel in turn had to pass him up. So he already had a beef against David, right? He was jealous of him. And what else is this telling us in these scriptures that I've read? Saul and Jonathan provided value to David in terms of giving him a family and then David reciprocated the same with Saul, right? Anytime you loan for something different with your partner, with your family, with your church, job, ministry, etc., and you refuse to acknowledge what is going on, <laughs> which is also called reality, right? You could possibly be setting yourself up for a situation of toxic jealousy, not accepting things and living from this truth rather than denial. Second situation, anytime you embrace the love of the so-called replacement partner, family, church, job, ministry, and you refuse to see the areas of these people's brokenness as well as the value that they add to your life, you could possibly be setting yourself up for a situation of toxic jealousy, okay? Longing for something different makes you blind to people's faults and brokenness. It makes you forget about looking at the whole picture, right? And the perfect example of this is that you've gotten into a new romantic relationship. You see signs of toxicity in this person, okay? However, their family is providing everything that you did not have, right? And you see that. So on the surface, it all looks good. Like, well, you know, I didn't get the best in him, but at least I got his family. We get along real well. You've been in a single family all your life, okay? And with his family taking you under their wing, it's like, hey, this is the perfect situation. Except it's not, right? So, you could literally be blinded into seeing only the areas that this family provides for you. Never mind the fact that the husband is cussing the uh, wife out while you're there, right? There are so many instances of emotional abuse that's going on, but on the outside, the family looks intact, right? Mama, father, kids, even a dog. And therefore, you ignore everything else that's going on. And this becomes a fantasy within itself and also some form of uh, magical thinking, so to speak, right? So in this situation, not only is your partner a red flag, but the way that his parents are functioning in their relationship is a red flag for you because <laughs> we learn more about what's caught than taught. So if this has been all that your new partner has been seeing, then that means that's trouble for you, right? In the long run. Your relationship is headed for disaster, but you ignore all those things. And it brings us to point number two. Looks are given, then spiritual and physical arrows are thrown. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war. He was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. And it came to pass as they came and David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing <laughs> to meet King Saul with tabrets and joy and instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played. So they kind of did like a call and response type of thing. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth. And the saying displeased him. And he said, hmm, they've ascribed unto David ten thousands 
And to me, they've only ascribed but thousands. What can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day and four. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. And he prophesied in the middle of the house. And David played with his hand as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoid out of his presence twice. Okay, so he got this evil spirit. David's playing and comforting him. And he's prophesying in the house as well. This was some sick stuff. So Saul went from having this evil spirit. Then he's prophesying in the house. Then David's playing for him, trying to calm him down. The next thing you know, he's he's trying to kill David, okay? This is some hot mess stuff, okay? And the thing that was so tripped out about this because of David, Saul's entire household was blessed, okay? David's presence, right? And having God's favor on that presence and his entire attitude and disposition brought blessings and favor from the Lord. But Saul didn't see that, okay? It wasn't enough. And sometimes in your situation, no matter what it is, that you would think would be enough, it's not enough for this individual who has a spirit of toxic jealousy, okay? But this was in direct contrast to the situation that went on between Joseph and Potiphar in Genesis 39, two through six, because it said, and the Lord was with Joseph, right? So that he prospered and lived in the house of his Egyptian master, okay? When his master saw the Lord was with him and that, the Lord gave him success in everything he did and that Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Okay. So Joseph was promoted. That didn't, <laughs> that was not the case with King Saul. He had it out for David. This man that he looked to, this young man as his son, he was so jealous of him that it turned toxic. Saul wanted to get rid of David, plain and simple. That was the only thing that was going to satisfy him at that point. He feared the favor of the Lord that was on David, and he couldn't stand the words of that song, okay? And the thing about it is the favor of the Lord had nothing to do with David's financial status. And a lot of times people would say, oh, well, they're jealous of so-and-so, because of the material things. Sometimes that's it, but a lot of times it has nothing to do with it. The spirit in that person with toxic jealousy is detecting the favor of the Lord on that other individual. And it has nothing to do with financial wealth. Okay? It's just simply an act of God's grace. Okay? Remember, Saul was the one providing David's income in the first place, right? So it's apparent that that wasn't the issue, okay? It was the fact of God's favor, right? That was resting on David in everything he did. He was prosperous, right? And this was also the turning point in Saul and David's relationship, okay? In 1 Samuel 18, 14 through 16, it says, and David behaved himself wisely in all his ways and the Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. <laughs> I like the way that sounds, okay? This is also your turning point. The fact that the scripture mean, mentions, rather, that Saul eyed David from that point on, it gives you a clue. Whenever you are dealing with the situation of toxic jealousy, there are always what I call spiritual arrows, okay, that are thrown before the physical arrows are felt and thrown. But even before the arrows take place, the number one warning sign is the look, okay? Looks are your first warning. The way that a person looks at you. It could be a one-time thing with the look of contempt, contempt rather, and disgust and disdain 
and jealousy, all of that mixed in, or it can be several looks over a period of time. And in scripture, it says from that point on. So that's all Saul was doing was looking at David with contempt. And like, I, I just got to get a hold of him, right? Spiritual arrows are your second warning from God. However, like with love bombing, if you're too caught up and you refuse to go to God and ask him the meaning of those spiritual arrows, okay, then you're in for trouble. You're headed straight for trouble, right? So I'm going to give you an example. You went from 6,000 followers to 20,000 followers, okay? The person that you're in relationship with who's infected with toxic jealousy has 3,000 followers and have not had that much growth, okay? The fact that your followers have more than tripled in three months is causing all type of internal conflict with this person. But you don't have a clue, right? In the beginning, you're totally unaware that that's what this person is dealing with, right? It's not like they expressed it to you, right? So, but what happens is every time you're with this person, you are feeling a spirit of jealousy and a spirit of control coming off of them onto you, right? The next thing you know, this is going on for one year, then two years, then three years, then four years, okay? But remember, you're not going to God. You're not inquiring as to what in the world is going on. And that's what David did initially, okay? Remember, David had the spirit of God on him, right? However, he blatantly ignored his intuition, okay? And why? Longing for something different. Something different from his family. Something different from what he was currently seeing going on with Saul, okay? You ignore your intuition from the Holy Spirit that, that tells you something is wrong with this individual, okay? And for example, God is telling for some people, leave this job right now. Leave this toxic relationship right now. Leave this friendship right now. Leave this ministry right now. Leave this church right now, okay? And there's some instances where God don't tell us that, but there's some where he's like, leave now, okay? However, you ignore it, right? God knows more than what it is that we know, right? He knows all of those private background conversations that people are having about you, your so-called friends, your so-called uh, ministry partners, right? Your so-called sister and brothers in Christ that you thought meant you well. He's hearing all of this and he's telling you to leave now, but your longing for something different is holding you on to that situation. Okay. And you cannot reason with arrogance and you can't reason with blindness, right? So when you don't think past your own reasoning of longing for something different, then guess what? You start seeing something different. In a sense, you become delusional. Psalm 115 and 4 says their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands, right? They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. So when a longing for something different becomes our idol, <laughs> blindness for sure is to come after us, okay? It's gonna bring us to point number three. Money and longing for something different could cause you to keep running for your life. So we get to the point where David evades being killed by Saul, right? With the spear twice as he's playing music, right? David lets it wear off. He goes back, okay? So getting paid by Saul is obviously beneficial to David, right? But at what cost? David is running for his life, literally at what cost? When is it that you decide like enough is enough? I need to leave, right? So after going back, Saul decides that it's just too much to see David's face every day. So it's like, okay, I'm gonna make you captain over the, uh, this particular army of a thousand, right? In the toxic relationship you're in, 
your partner makes up some lame excuse like, well, baby, you know, I was having a bad day. That's why when I saw you talking to that guy, I just couldn't help myself. And so when we got home, instead of, you know, instead of me hitting him at the moment, I hit you. And then he starts saying, well, you know, baby, seeing certain things, they just stress me out. You know, all this stress is just kind of getting to me. You know, I never did that before, baby. You know, I love you. And you start thinking about the fact that his family is nice to you, how they've taken you under their wing, right? And you definitely wouldn't want to have them out of your life. And maybe he was having a bad day. And so you go back, you go back. And it brings us to point number four. The person with toxic jealousy tries to entrap you through others. Saul decided to try to entrap David by marrying his daughter, Mirab. But then he played an Uncle Laban <laughs> and Jacob move. When Uncle Laban was supposed to give Rachel to Jacob, but gave him Leah instead. That's what Saul did, okay? Saul decided, okay, I'm going to give Mirab to you, but nah, I'm going to give him to Adriel instead. But then Saul's buddy said, okay, I found out your daughter, Michael, loves David. And Saul said, okay, then this is going to trap him too, right? And so the scripture said, and Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him, okay? And then down in verses 22 and 23, it says, Saul commanded his servant saying, commune with David secretly. So like, you know, talk to him, get, get him, to, you know, convince him and say, behold, the king have delight in thee and all his servants love thee. Now, therefore be the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servant spake those words in the ears of David. And David said, hmm, seemeth it the light thing to be a king's son-in-law that I'm a poor man and I'm lightly esteemed. One thing about people who are toxic they always enlist the help of other people to do their dirt. They are rarely doing it themselves. All the work. They're behind the strings, pulling strings. They're behind the scene, pulling strings. Okay? And everybody's just puppets. Okay? Right? They'll say, you know what? They'll tell this person, go ahead and say this and this and that to her and see if you can get her to give in. Right? See if they'll listen to you because I know how you guys are kind of tighter than me and you. So that's what ends up happening. Okay. And so what happens is that uh, Saul's plan to entrap David backfired on him. It literally backfired on him. Michael loved David just as much as Jonathan Saul's son did. Right. And the person you are in a toxic relationship with tries to entrap you through mutual friends. They're hoping that having this friend talk to you would mean that it would get you to stop doing what God has told you to do, okay? Which in turn is going to leave you in an exposed, stagnant situation. And you no longer pose a threat to them, right? They'll no longer have to worry about God blessing your followers, right? Or your room, uh, your name being mentioned in rooms that you haven't, your feet haven't entered. They don't have to worry about that anymore. All they got to do is convince these people to convince you to stop doing what you're doing, right? But what they don't predict is that you're not giving in. You got that Nehemiah spirit that says, I'm doing a good thing and I'm not coming down. You are determined to do the Lord's work. And the more people who contact you about stopping the Lord's work, the more determined that you are to keep going. And it brings us to point number five. When you deal with a person who's toxic, some of their toxic energy will get on you. David didn't feel that it was right for him to take on the role of Michael's husband without paying for those wages. And guess what Saul's solution was? For David to bring him 100 foreskins from the Philistines. Saul did this in hopes that David would be killed at battle. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Does that sound familiar to you, right? Not only did David supply the 100 foreskins that Saul requested, David brought back 200. Like, bam, here you go. Double that. Remember the story of David and Bathsheba? David had his messenger, Joab, to put Uriah on the front line so he could be killed, right? Where do you think he got that from, Okay. When we have relationships with toxic people, some of their toxins leak out on us. The next thing you know, we're doing the same things that these individuals did without even realizing it. That's why we often follow the same pa uh, 
patterns that our parents follow. Generational sin that's been passed down. Since Saul and David had a father-son relationship, David took on Saul's emotional toxins and in turn carried them out and that resulted in Uriah's death. David was trauma bonded to Saul. He longed for something different than his own father and brothers, but in turn, he received way more than what he bargained for. He ended up with a father figure who was jealous of him and wanted to kill him. And that created a trauma bond. So instead of leaving, David just kept coming back. Saul trying to kill him with the spear, boom, and he, boom, and he dug a thump. Here's another thump, right? He finally got a clue and left, okay? And that took a lot of courage. But as I said before, when you're longing for something different than what actually is, it's going to make you stay in relationships longer than you need or want to. It's just that simple. Point six, toxic people always convince themselves they are doing things in the name of God. 1 Samuel 23, 7, it says, And it was told Saul that David was come to Kilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into my hand, for he shut in by entering into a town that have gates and bars. One of the scariest and most dangerous things is to be connected with a toxic person who goes around killing people emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. And they're doing it in the name of God. Nothing in Saul's mind told him that what he was doing was wrong. And in order for us to get to this place, we have got to really have been operating out of flesh, okay? Not consulting the Holy Spirit, not confessing and repenting from sin to have gotten to this place, right? Once again, more evidence that Saul's toxic energy affected David is that David's son Absalom also quoted scripture to make it seem like he was doing the work of the Lord when he had his other brothers to kill the half-brother Amnon, right? He also was in love. This is in the name of the Lord, the same thing. You see what I'm saying? Which is why we have to be careful who we hang around, okay? Saul and Absalom both were filled with a spirit of rebellion, a spirit of toxicity, pride, jealousy, anger, contempt, and narcissism, both erecting statues of themselves and thinking it was okay. Point number seven, toxic people will seek to destroy other people who support and believe in you. Yes, every single time this will happen, right? David had a relationship with the Himalek and the other priests at Nod. Okay, and then Doeg, Saul's right-hand man, was in the area, okay? And of course, you know, he went back and told Saul about it, right? He witnessed Ahimelech giving, uh, talking to David, giving him some bread, right? Giving him Goliath's spear, all right? Saul had every last one of those priests destroyed and their entire families. One person escaped, okay? So for instance, when you're working with people who are infected with toxic jealousy, and these people might be supervisors, team leaders, managers, not only will they fire you, they also gonna fire the other people who are having a good relationship with you. They have a good relationship with you, they're gonna get rid of them too. They're gonna get rid of any other truth teller, anybody that's not in line with the system, so to speak, and that could serve as a threat to them. They don't want the truth, any chance of the truth being found out. So they're going to get rid of you and they're going to get rid of everybody that liked you. Okay. Point eight, toxic people will make amends and then try to resume with the relationship as normal. After hunting David down twice and David being in the position to kill Saul, if he wanted to, Saul basically told David he was done pursuing him, but it was just a lie. Okay. However, at that point, David finally did not trust Saul anymore. Okay, it took him like running for his life, dodging spears left and right. Finally, it's just like, I can't trust you, right? The first time that Saul uh, came up on David uh, in that encounter, David referred to Saul as father and king, right? But then the second time that this 
encounter takes place between Saul and David, you can see the wording changed where uh, David is referring to Saul as Lord and King. He no longer says father, but Saul is still using the word son for David to try to convince him things are back to normal, right? This exchange of names shows that David released his longing for there to be something different than he had with his family and Saul and was now able to accept it for what it was. He does not want to return back to Saul's dwelling, right? And so what happened is that uh, after this took place, then Saul is, uh, David's like, okay, I've got your weapon, Saul. I'm going to give it back to you, but have one of your men to come over here and get it from me. So that shows you David wasn't stupid. Not only did he not call him father anymore, but he said, I've got your weapon, but send one of your men to come over here and get it from me. He didn't want Saul to come get it. He wasn't crazy now. He already tried to kill him, right? And to come up that close to him in his face, uh-uh. So Saul had one of his men to get his spear from David. And then he said, well, let's go back home. So even though they made up there, David didn't follow him back home like he did before, right? So that tells you from that running, okay? And that's what running will do. You'll be running and running and running. Finally, you get to a point between those being out in the wilderness as he was, those be still in no moments when he was worshiping and writing Psalms out in the wilderness and going from stronghold to stronghold and cave to cave and kind of like having those be still in no moments. He had that come to Jesus moment like, <laughs> I don't care what I'm longing for. I got to look at what I see. I can't let what I'm longing for blind me to what is. This man is toxic. He's trying to kill me. You see what I'm saying? And so no matter how much you forgive another individual, you cannot hang out and heal with the people that broke you. You just cannot. And not only that, but when a person has repeatedly tried to emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically kill you, Going back to that relationship is like the Bible says, a dog that goes back to his vomit, right? Mm -mm. It wasn't good for you then, and it's not good for you now. <laughs> Things have not changed. That person is still who that person is. It's nothing you can do to change them. You can't love them enough to change them. None of that, okay? And notice, like I said, how David did not try to, he did not try to give Saul his weapon back. Okay, David did not try to do that. <laughs> He's like, let your man come over here and get your spear. He wasn't stupid, right? But like I said, running would do that for you. You can end up at the point where you running and running and running so much. All of a sudden, all that running and, and, and you got to stop and you have that be still in no moment. You just like, all of a sudden you have that come to Jesus moment. Okay, after that be still in no moment, you're just like, mm -mm, I can't do this anymore. I cannot, right? So what do you do after being in a relationship where there was toxic jealousy? Number one, you got to repent, repent of the sin of idolatry. You made longing for someone, right? For some different rather to keep you tied in a relationship that was emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually harmful to you. Okay. Number two, you got to ask God to release the trauma bond and or soul tie that existed from that relationship with that person, okay? Number three, repent from the sin of disobedience. God gives us the Holy Spirit as part of our intuition to guide us in our decisions. But when he's showing us and showing us and showing us and showing us and showing us, something is wrong with an individual. And when we are, are longing for something different, outweighs what the Holy Spirit is showing us, we're going to have a problem. We're just going to have a problem, okay? When we blatantly ignore the Holy Spirit, those spiritual arrows, we blatantly ignore that person staring at us, looking at us up and down. All of a sudden, that point that our relationship has shifted, they're staring at us, they're looking at us up and down. God is sending us spiritual arrows before the physical ones from that person here. We're ignoring it, okay? We're going to suffer more damage than was necessary in the whole situation, okay? Caught up and delusional. Number four, seek to reclaim your power and identity by healing. And in that healing, making sure you've accepted the reality of what your family life was coming up. 
okay? And maybe even what it is now. Accept the reality to come out of denial and whatever other relationships you're in. You want it to be something else than what it is, but it's not. That's the thing about it. And that means grief is going to come up, right? When we want something to be something that's not, we long for that and we keep longing for that, then it makes our heart sick. The scripture says hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. You are literally going to be sick, okay? Literally going to be sick from hoping and hoping and hoping and hoping and hoping and nothing's happening or happening or happening to happen, right? All right. Number five, make adjustments to the relationships where you're longing differently than what actually is, okay? That's the only way for us to move forward, for us to stop being a denial, stop blinding ourselves and thinking that something is better than what it is. If that person got five, 10 things in common with you, but it's toxic, other things they're doing is toxic and it's killing you and it's stunting your growth and God's saying, release it, right? So it's going to be some relationships we got to adjust. Number six, okay, the final point, you are already enough. Longing for a relationship, for seeing something different, right? Longing for something different to happen is not going to make you enough. You're already enough, right? Jesus already did all of the work. Grab your keys to the uh, kingdom. <laughs> Grab your keys to the kingdom and get your inheritance. Until next time, God bless each and every one of you. There was a guy. They call him the
So 